Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking Season 2. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble, and today I am so excited to speak with author Tabitha Blankenbiller. Tabitha lives outside of Portland, Oregon. Her essays have appeared in Tin House, The Rumpus, Electric Lit, Hobart, and a number of other publications. She's the book editor at Barrel House and also teaches pop culture writing classes with Catapult. Her debut essay collection, Eats of Eden, is available now from Alternating Current Press. Combination of literary essays with recipes Tabitha has cultivated and created from her faves. Throughout the book, we're going to follow her through her ups and downs on the creative process in writing a book and securing a book deal. Today, we're going to discuss how to create your own book tour and promote your book in unique ways you may not have thought of before. So we're going to get into all the ins and outs of book promotion and what to expect and also how to navigate your own journey touring and book signing, all that good stuff. Tabitha, please welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. You're so welcome. So how did Eats of Eden evolve into the book it became and how long did it take you to write it? Well, it's, yeah, definitely kind of a unique story. Um, I was working on a novel. I had kind of decided that I was going to, uh, embark on this project and explore something in my life through fiction, which was new to me. I'm a very non-fiction centric writer. And uh, so I was working on that, but also I kind of felt like I needed a side project just to have something else to do while I was working on this book. And so I queried to write a series of essays for Alternating Currents website. They have a great journal called The Coil, where they publish different essays and short stories and things. And uh, I proposed doing a series of essays about food and writing, because those are my two favorite things. And when I'm not writing, I'm cooking. And when I'm cooking, um, I'm avoiding writing. They kind of feed each other. (laughs) And so these essays, you know, they started to go up and they were just a really um, kind of great way to just experiment with some ideas. I mean, it's a lot like blogging, you know, where you're just kind of uh, have lower stakes. Like you're not thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be a book. I have to have it be so great right now. (laughs) It's just, oh, I'm going to do these little essays and maybe someone will read them and maybe they won't. Uh, Probably they won't. So you just have a lot more freedom. So I wrote probably five, six of those essays and they were actually really well received. Uh, People seem to respond to that idea that different art types feed each other you know we we always need some sort of thing aside from writing to express ourselves like I mean mm-hmm. if you just have one way it's gonna make you crazy so I wrote these and then all of a sudden I got an email from the press and they said we really love these essays they've been really great would you consider writing a book of them or a book based on them 
And, you know, you don't say no to a press wanting to write a book with you just (laughs) randomly. So my initial thought was, oh, my gosh, I can write the novel and the series of essays at the same time. And then I'll have two books. And, you know, a, a year of writing the book Eats of Eden based on the essays and then a year of editing and working on getting that book out. So about two, two and a half years total. I have this book. The novel is very much in the drawer, but, you know, I'm I'm very happy and proud with what became of that chunk of time for sure. It's, I loved just, I love the mixture of the essays and then the recipes at the end of each one and just how the food plays into it. And I think especially when you said, you know, one creative act, like, feeds another back and forth. And so it just Mm -hmm. seemed to, like, combine so well. And it was a really fun, like, fun. it's kind of like one of those sit on the porch and sip on something sweet and and flip through it. It was so, and I just love the cover, too. The cover's gorgeous. Did you get to have a lot of say in that? That's a funny, that's another funny story. No, I had zero say <laughs> in the cover. And I was so freaked out because it took a little bit of time. The publisher was running a little behind schedule and I was so freaked out. I was just because mm-hmm. covers, I actually work in marketing and graphic design as my day job. So oh, wow. it has like this extra, yeah, it has this extra <laughs> layer of, oh my God, this is so important. If it's a bad cover, like my life is over. It really felt like that. Um, I, I just I love design. I love covers. I mean that's that's really what I love. I you know have been photoshopping my book covers since I was in high school. So um, one day, just randomly, I get the email from the publisher with the JPEG attached, and I remember like reaching out with my mouth at arm's length, thinking, okay. Just open the document. If it's bad, you can, you know, we'll figure it out, brain. Do it. So I opened it up, and the image appeared, and it was so perfect. And so it spoke so well to the voice and the mission of the book. And I just, like, was laughing and crying at the same time. I was so happy. They did a fantastic job. Yeah, I just loved it. I was like, this is the perfect cover for this book. And actually, I was in Port- I was in Portland at a writing retreat, and I went to Powell's. And I think it was the week before you were doing your reading there. And I uh-huh. saw it when I was-, I was going to check out, and I kept passing the book. And I'm like, that just looks like something I would love. And it was I judged oh. it on its cover. I was like, this looks like it'll be fun to read on the plane ride home. So I picked it up just because of that, right? It was really eye-catching. Wow, that's awesome. Fun to hear, like, how people come across the book, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, once you were, once it was all said and done, did your publisher, you know, did they have, like, an outline they wanted you to follow in terms of promotion, like, planned advertisements or strategies? So... Actually, I did not have that. And I think every publisher is different. Every experience is different. I mm-hmm. had a small press. And not even small. I think you could actually classify it really as a micro press because, yeah. you know, it 
it didn't have the national distribution, uh, you know, just didn't have that muscle. And uh, the book was also running kind of behind schedule. You know, the galleys were late and mm-hmm. uh, the cover reveal was kind of late. So everything was kind of running a little bit late. And I, I knew from early in that process that, you know, okay, I'm looking at what's happening. I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have to do this. Like the promotion and whatever I do really is going to have to fall on me because they just don't have the resources and they don't have really the reach, I don't think, to get this all done. Mm -hmm. And especially just the way I wanted it to be done. Because, yeah, I am a control freak. (laughs) And (laughs) I I mean, yeah. You kind of have to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a specific idea of things I really wanted to happen and things I really wanted to do. And um, so I just, as soon as I had that galley, as soon as I had that cover, you know, as soon as I had enough material to go on to promote the book in in ways that I could do, I hit the ground running. And I think that's really what any writer has to do. Yeah, because I think there's a perception among uh, most people that that aren't highly involved in the writing community. I mean, I know before I began writing, I was like, well, the publisher just takes care of all that. But the publisher can't always right. do that. Sometimes they have, you know, multiple book launches or somebody, you know, takes precedence because they have some clout behind them to have an instant bestseller or, or things like that. So it's really, mm-hmm. you know, in the hands of the author to get the work out there. And it does make a huge difference. Did you at any point consider hiring an outside publicist or did you look at an option like that? I think I considered it in the same way that maybe you consider hiring Celine Dion to sing at your wedding, you know, that would be really great. But I mean, publicists are so expensive and I'm not saying they're not worth it because I've Mm -hmm. seen such great work done by publicists. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a friend of mine who her book came out right at the same time as mine. And she had this superstar publicist who got her in so many lists and book clubs Mm -hmm. and got all on the Instagram accounts and just did such a hustle. And I mean, I was just like sitting back like, yeah, well done. (laughs) Uh, But for a writer of a small press book, basically Mm -hmm. self-funding, you know, it's just, you have to have, it's it's just so expensive and it just wasn't feasible for me to do. Yeah, and it's not really feasible for a lot of authors, right? Because publicists can cost, mm-hmm. you know, like thousands and thousands per month just to promote something. Thousands. So when you think of it, right, it's just, mm-hmm. it's wild to think of the costs that are involved. And a lot of people don't get the funds for a book advance or they're self-publishing or they're with a smaller press. So it's really, you know, up to you to get out there and do that hustle. When you decided that you were going to do your own book tour, how did you map it out? Like, did you have connections with bookstores or places you could connect with to host the event? So when I 
figured out that I was going to have to set up these things, I didn't really have – I did have some connections locally. Like, luckily, you know, I've been going to Powell for years and years and years. I live here mm-hmm. in Portland. So I was able to kind of use my friends, use some people I know to figure out, okay, who do I email? Who do I connect yeah. with? So, like, especially that uh, very hyper-local connection was really helpful. And then I also uh, – Broadway Books here in Portland, uh, mm-hmm. they – They've worked with a lot of writers that I know, and they were just so absolutely wonderful. They were actually the first. They, I had my book launch there uh, before nice. I went to Powell's, and oh, my gosh, they were such supportive, just wonderful people, it, but they, because I was a member of the community. So mm-hmm. what I figured out very quickly was that I really needed to stay as a first-time writer, as a small press writer, as just someone that's really just building that career from a, a, you know, smaller standpoint, I just needed to stay on my coast. You know, I'm here in Portland. Mm -hmm. West Coast is my home. And, you know, I did... I did send a query letter to Books or Magic in New York because, you know, you again, you go in with these ideas of everybody goes to New York when they have a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they never they never responded to my email, which is fine because they get yeah. thousands of emails. They don't mm-hmm. know me at all. I have no connections. I know a few people that live in Brooklyn or whatever. But yeah. why should they care? The book has nothing to do with New York. The um, I've never been to New York. You know, it's just, yeah. Um, I had I had this idea that if I was going to be a, a real writer, I had to go to this place. It's really not true. The yeah. <laughs> the best thing I do is just realize, okay, just stay along the area where you have your people, and you know some right. Some readings are going to be obviously um, better attended than others because, you know, obviously I've grown up in the Seattle, Portland area, so my mm-hmm. people, I can, like, bribe my family to come out and do all those <laughs> things. But then even, like, you know, I've done L.A., I did San Francisco, and uh, when you've lived in a place for a long time, you you have connections that kind of, are there and I had wonderful turnout in LA and in San Francisco just from kind of networking with the binders that were in that area and mm-hmm. um, you know people I had known in that area. So um, yeah, it was it was really just kind of learning. Okay, it's okay to just accept the fact that you're not famous and yeah. <laughs> you know you know. That your people, your uh, community, and your family and friends, I mean, that's really a great thing for a first book. And it's a really good use of your time to not try and go too far, too wide, you know, and and just really keep the focus where it should be. Mm-hmm. Because I think everybody thinks it's got to be this big whirlwind worldwide tour and cost wise, it's unless the publisher is forking over the money for that, which rarely happens, right? It's, 
it's right. important to focus on your community and build a community in the town that you're in with fellow writers, you know, like going to writing groups and, you know, just like making those connections with the bookstore owners in your area can be huge, right? They'll be willing to host right. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So like when you did these signings, did you have to buy extra copies to have in house for them when you went to different bookstores and events? Like, did you have to put out the money to purchase them and bring them with you? Or did they agree to order a certain amount? It depended on the bookstore. I did in some cases, some bookstores will want to work on consignment when you're not Mm -hmm. a big five press because it is expensive for them sometimes to go through the distributor and Mm -hmm. get a small press book. Um, From what I understand from that side of the business, it just can be costly to the bookseller. It can be difficult and it just comes down to it's so much easier and less expensive for them to have you bring your copies and sell them on consignment. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that I didn't understand any of that when I started putting together a book tour, which uh, fortunately, you know, I have the privilege of working full-time and I have a spouse who works full-time and we have a full-time credit card, you know, so I was yeah. just able to, you know, do that. But, you know, so many writers, especially debut writers, you know, I mean, money is obviously really tight. And um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's something you really have to be careful of because it is really expensive and especially up front because, you know, you're doing all these events kind of initially and you're not going to get royalties or um, checks from the bookstores for maybe a few months and Mm -hmm. uh, definitely when you're approaching bookstores ask you know hey can you go through the distributor do I have to bring consignment copies I mean just make sure don't get in over your head you know yeah you definitely you definitely don't want to stretch yourself too thin or um, anything like that because yeah you should you should not that should not be Mm -hmm. something that uh, you know, was there it, a, a good number gay. to bring with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> what would you say? Like, if somebody was going to do it, and the, and they were like, "How many copies would you recommend somebody investing in to take with them if they were on that sort of consignment deal?" Uh huh. I would say if it's somewhere where you have a lot of like family and OG friends, like ride or die. Mm-hmm. I would, yeah. I would bring 20 or 30 because that's, you know, that's yeah. where your grandma's going to come. That's where your high school yeah. English teacher is going <laughs> to come. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have a lot of people buying copies, which is, those are the best nights. I love those nights. They're fun, so, yeah. right? They're fun. I would say 20 or 30 when you're in your hometown. When you're going outside of your hometown, I would say 10 is a really good number. If you mm-hmm. sell 10, you're like, a rock star already. And, you know, <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, yeah. You know, I've had readings. I had a reading here in a town where I didn't know anybody, and I had great turnout, but it was at a library. And, you know, library uh, patrons, they are absolutely wonderful, but they don't like buying books. Like, exactly. <laughs> so I think I only sold three copies to probably the ten or 
12 yeah. people in the room. And, yeah, it's just you, you, you never know. But I would say, mm-hmm. yeah, probably if you bring 10 copies to places where you don't really know the people, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Now, was there an event, one of the events that you scheduled particularly successful? What would you recommend other authors do when they're putting together their book tours? Like, what did you find was most successful for you? I think the most successful thing was I wrote, I came up with like a query letter that was my template. And Mm -hmm. it talked about the book. It talked about me. And it was something that I could really easily change out a couple of sentences to talk to the specific area. You know, I could like tailor the sentence to say, oh, the book has this chapter where I'm in L.A. Or, oh, by the way, I grew up in the Seattle area. And so obviously there's a lot about that. So, you know, I I just kind of tweaked it. But I had that foundation of about, and here's who I am. And, you know, all of those things already set to go. And Mm -hmm. it was really easy to just like I say, kind of tailor it to the specific people. And uh, the other thing was that that same text was very easy to convert into a press release. And I felt so embarrassed (laughs) sending a press (laughs) release about my reading. I just felt ridiculous, you know, like nobody cares (laughs) about my press release. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think if I get like somebody would tack it up in the San Francisco Chronicle in the lunchroom and just laugh at me like, oh, this writer oh, no. needs a press release. <laughs> but actually, I you know I did it everywhere I went, and I think pretty much everywhere I went, I got the event at least you know on the newspaper community calendar or whatever, which is nice. But this one reading I did where I sent a press release to the small town because it was an Oregon coastal town and Mm. I sent the press release to the paper and the bookstore was fantastic because they actually had a reading series that they did monthly with writers and if you can if you can get in with a bookstore that does a uh, something very specific like that is fantastic because the patrons are already trained to look for it and go to it. Mm-hmm. You know, people have a routine around it. So that's something great to look for. And then, like I said, I sent this press release to the local paper and they actually sent a reporter to do a feature about the book and about the reading. And I mean, yes, it's a small Oregon town, but huge resource for this newspaper to send out and you know there's a whole article about it that's you know easy to link online and stuff so and you know it didn't it didn't cost me anything I was just except my pride yeah. in emailing all these newspapers <laughs> and time um, so I mean I think I was really um, that was a really positive experience for sure mm-hmm. and like did you find I, I I kind of tend to find that people really want to support local artists, authors, creatives. So being able to get in any paper, even if it's a local paper, a lot of people get their way to connect with particularly you found throughout the process, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, so for you, how 
how important were literary connections for you during your book tour? How did, did you have a lot of people in the literary community that were supportive, and, and how were you able to meet them and make those connections with them? I, I would say it's definitely important. Um, it was more, you know, very personal relationships, not, you know, I don't know how effective it is to just keep throwing out on Facebook and Twitter, hey, I'm reading, hi, I'm reading. Yeah. But, you know, those, <laughs> those actual genuine friendships that I've cultivated over years and years, uh, you know, they wouldn't result in, like, hundreds of people showing up to the reading, but, you know, like I went to LA and uh, a friend of mine who's a fantastic writer down there, you know, she came, she brought another writer, she brought her husband and, you know, we had mm -hmm. dinner beforehand and just like this really rich, beautiful experience. And yeah. Um, yeah. And then it was really nice when I went to Seattle and I grew up in that area, but uh, I haven't lived there in a long time. I've lived in Portland for many years. Um, I found a smaller binder that's Northwest writers uh, mm -hmm. and they, they came like as a constituency together oh, nice. and they came to the reading and they were so, again, like so nice and, you know, just a really small, mighty group of people. So I feel like that's the same advice I would say about any kind of networking, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just be, be human about it, be real about it, and actually try to make friends with people you really genuinely care about. You know, it's, I think that we all would love to just, you know, we get in a room like at AWP at a conference and, you know, who's <laughs> going to be able to rocket us to superstardom? Um, yeah. I mean, that can be a really easy, easy trap to fall into, especially when you're just starting mm. out, like, who can help me? Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just not going to be sustainable in the long run. And a writing career, it takes a long time to put together, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it's just not something you can count on any sort of, quick fix you know even if you're that miracle book deal that you know you yeah. land this really exciting <laughs> piece and you know this big yeah. book deal that doesn't guarantee that you're going to have people actually care about you and yeah. so yeah it's yeah it's just it's really I guess comes down to quality over quantity for sure that's exactly it because I feel like it, sometimes you go to different conferences and events and you can tell you're sitting with somebody and you can see their eyes darting around the room like who's better that I can talk to or who else can I get at? Uh -huh. oh there's so and so I gotta go you know and the, it never feels yeah. good to be the person who's watching the person look around the room to see who else is there <laughs> so that they can get their business card to as many people as possible but it, I uh -huh. mean there's there's so many varieties of conferences and one of the ways I found really helpful is just being supportive of other writers, right? Like being able mm -hmm. to share each other's work and genuinely being excited, especially when you're, yeah. you know, you're in the trench yourself. It's so hard when everybody's like, I got a book deal, I book deal. And you're going, Oh dear God, I just want to get there. 
But it's so nice because at some point it will be your turn and then they'll in turn be Uh cheering for you as long as it's genuine, right? Like having those genuine connections like you said are so much more important than having all these numbers kind of thing. It's so, yeah. So did you find, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think that, you know, having the book come out is the great equalizer. You know, you really do see, okay, you know, who's really got your back and is genuinely excited Mm -hmm. for you and who's not. And I mean, yeah, it's, um, I think there's a lot, like the positive surprises you have really outweigh Mm -hmm. the negatives that fall out. Yes. Yeah, and it's amazing who, you know, shows up for you, shows up to the readings or shares your work out on social media. You know, like I always say to friends, I'm not in the area to come to readings, but I'm going to say that I'm going. So it shows up on my news feed. So people that are in your area will see it that I'm friends with as well. And and just being able to share each other's essays. And, you know, it's just it's an amazing thing to see how supportive the literary community really is. And it's not as mm-hmm. bi- like it's not as big and overwhelming as people think. It seems to be like there is not just a core group, but there's a, a everybody seems to be fairly supportive and wanting to see everyone do well and genuinely being happy for them when they when they get a book that's coming out or they get a really amazing blurb or something. It's those are the right. wins that we we need to celebrate those wins because they're so few and far between sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you look back over the entire process of creating your own book tour, how long did you actually have it? Like, did you schedule one event per week? Because you were also working full time. So (laughs) how did you design it to kind of, you know, go smoothly with your job and your life and, and all your, you know, everyday things that you have to do? I was very fortunate and privileged in a number of ways. Uh, fortunately, I have, I've worked at my company with my day job for quite a number of years now. So I've been established enough. I've earned enough vacation where, you know, they don't give me too much trouble about, you know, taking this time mm-hmm. off. And, um, you know, I did schedule. I tried to do things around weekends or weekend adjacent, you know, keep things like Thursday night yeah. or Friday night so that, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't taking, I could, I could do it. Um, and then uh, I don't even know how I, <laughs> I don't know how I made it work. <laughs> Looking back, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you, you set up all these things and on paper it seems feasible but you're just going 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 for a month or two and uh it's it's insane even I mean I'm not like a big book tour you know I mean I wasn't going all over the country and traveling Mm -hmm. from coast to coast like a lot of writers do uh, when they get up to that level um but just (laughs) just the west west coast kicked my butt uh Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I did have, like I say, I I had some good PTO. I had some good uh, support from my uh, the people I work with. Uh, and I just, yeah, I was trying to be conscientious of um, keeping those things feasible, like mm-hmm. weekends or close to weekends 
Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I had to also pay for my travel, uh, mostly. And, you know, most of the things were within driving distance. I did go to LA and I did go to San Francisco. Um, Mm -hmm. and the, you know, I, I stayed with friends in San Francisco and I just treated LA like a big Disneyland vacation. I went to Disneyland. <laughs> nice. I brought my mom. I brought my oh, I mom. Love it. We made it a total vacation. Um, yeah. So I, I just tried to make the most of it, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And it was, I remember being so exhausted by the end of about two months of every weekend going to this, you know, going up Seattle or going down the coast of Oregon or mm-hmm. um, this and that. Yeah, it was it was super exhausting. But, um, you know, I, I think it's the good kind of exhausting, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, it's hard work. It's absolutely hard work. It's difficult to have that personality be on. It's difficult to mm-hmm. go into a space. I mean, it was so stressful. I think the worst thing about doing book tours is like the two or three hours before the event. And <laughs> you're wondering if anybody's going to show up. And that's yeah. when the Facebook notifications start showing up. That's when people start saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't make it tonight. Oh my god. Yes. My cat has been throwing up weird. And you know <laughs> you get three or four of those and then you think, Oh my god, no nobody's one's coming. coming. Nobody's coming. Oh no. And you know, I mean I start spiraling. So <laughs> after like two readings I I started this law with myself where I did not check any notifications oh that's from like two or three hours before the reading because of course people are coming of course Mm -hmm. people you know they show up for you but you know when it feels like everybody's sending you a message that they're not it Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) a very negative path (laughs) so yeah yeah So definitely when it comes to book reviews, I'm always a big proponent of telling people, please leave a review on Amazon, on Goodreads. They're so important. Did you feel that they really helped you? Do you read them or do you have like a policy where you're not going to read any reviews? So I know myself super well and I know Mm -hmm. that I am extremely obsessive. And if somebody writes, like a thousand word glowing review of my book and has three sentences where they're making it objective and saying, I would have liked some of this. I will spend the rest of my life wondering why I didn't put that in the book. (laughs) So (laughs) I do not read a single review. And I, I mean, I really encourage people. I mean, I'm so thankful to anybody who writes a review. It is very helpful because it helps people to see them on Amazon and Goodreads and get readers that wouldn't normally maybe find you. So yes, I mean, leave reviews for people, get reviews, like all, I'm totally supportive of that. I haven't read a word. 
I'm honest. I haven't yeah. read a single Goodreads review. I haven't read a single Amazon review. There's a point I like to check my Amazon ranking. I'm sort of obsessive about that. But there is yes. a <laughs> point in the page where I stop scrolling and I will not go further yeah. no matter what. Yeah. That's such a smart practice because I know so many can't help it and they read them. And if they get a negative one, it can like knock you on your ass for like three days because it, it, it's hard mm-hmm. because you put your heart and soul into this and to hear anything other than positive things, you're just like, no, and you can't go back and change it if there's something anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, but in terms of that, what are you reading and really loving right now? Or what have you recently read and really just totally loved? I have a friend who just had a book come out from Split Loop and uh, it's mm-hmm. Hungry People by Tasha Coriel. And yes. it's a short story collection. It's so funny, dark with you. It's, it's just a fantastic collection. It's her first uh, book that's been out. Um, and I, she actually, she asked me to blurb it. And I've just been so excited to see it out in the world because her oh, writing is it. fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, so I've been hoping, you know, everybody go and get that book. Um, I also have a friend, uh, Kendra Fortmeyer, her uh, she had a book, she has a really great book story where she wrote this beautiful YA coming-of-age novel, and it was released in the UK, and, you know, everybody liked it, but it took that initial foreign release to get mm-hmm. a publisher in the U.S. to pick it up. So uh, it's coming out next month, uh, I believe it's Soho Press. And okay. it's just, it's such a great, it's like, um, you know, it's a little bit uh, fantastical, but it's, you know, positive body image. And it really speaks to what I'm seeing, you know, the next generation kind of grapple yeah. and grow up with. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I mean, I'm not like a YA person, but I just love that novel. And um, yeah, so I think there's just, some really uh, great small press and underdog stories, you know, that mm-hmm. are coming out. And I love to see that. Yeah. Now, for you, before we say goodbye, I always like to ask my guests if there was ever a defining moment during the creation of their book. So during the creation of Eat of Eden, did you ever feel like you might just give up? Like a dark night of the soul when it just seemed impossible to finish or you know, to promote it enough, how did you overcome that? Well, having a hard time um, pinning down distribution to Powell's books here in Portland. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, as a Portland person, Powell's book is just the world of of yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's it's our bookstore. I mean, I I have so many memories of coming here to the city in college and being there. And you know, the first readings I went to when I decided I wanted to be a writer, I went. You know, it's in the book that time that I found out Cheryl Strayed was reading there, and yes. it was when her novel first came out, like ten years before. Oh my gosh. Um, 
now. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I have so many memories and feelings wrapped up in that bookstore. And, uh, yeah, I was having trouble finalizing the distribution and you had to have the distribution finalized to get the event going. So, you know, it was like all this back end kind of work. And mm-hmm. I just, I had to go to a reading that was happening for someone I knew at the bookstore. And it was like right after I'd hit yet another roadblock after weeks and weeks and weeks of working through this. And I just remember going into the store, finding a quiet corner where there weren't a lot of people like in, um, you know, uh, analysis of poetry or something (laughs) and (laughs) starting to cry because I'm thinking there's thousands and thousands of books in the store and they're never going to carry mine and I oh it just hurt so bad and I went into the cafe there and I took out my notebook and I wrote this like really succinct um journal about how you know it's not the merit of the book it's the muscle of the publisher you know and that's just something Mm -hmm. I realized at that moment like everywhere I looked I'm like okay there's I'm surrounded by books and it's not Mm -hmm. that I'm surrounded by books that are inherently better than mine it's that I'm surrounded by books that just were picked up by places that have the money and the marketing departments to have the reach and um, so I wrote this like super sad journal entry that's actually really true. And, um, you know, I remember calling my mother. I have, a, you know, I'm very close to my parents. And I'm like, Mom, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be in towels. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, it's okay. It'll work out. All this sort of thing. And I gathered myself together. I went to my friend's reading. I tried not to be messy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then as I was leaving, I had a friend of mine who worked at the store come up to me and say, hey, Tabitha, I saw your book come across our buying system, and I um, <gasps> made sure that it went through. Like, basically, like, pushed my book through without me oh. asking, without me having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And oh, I just, I again, it. about cried because, you know, just such, again, the the writing community, somebody I had known for years and years and years who wasn't, I hadn't asked to do something, but just saw my name, uh, Hmm. did the thing behind the scenes and made it happen. And, you know, yeah, I mean, you can find my book at Powell's. (laughs) I read at Powell's and it, it did like my mom promised work out. It's amazing how these things are so synchronistic because I, I went to Portland for this writing retreat with Lydia Yukonovich and Jennifer Pastelov and Powell ah! was like the end all be all for me to go and my free time. Mm-hmm. And so I had booked extra time outside of the retreat so that I could go and like visit all these iconic Portland places. And I was like, I have to go to Powell's. And I remember going in there and it's for someone who's never been there. It's like the, it feels like the biggest, um, book lovers dream because it's literally books just everywhere and anywhere and and there's people everywhere and you're just immersed in so much literature you literally could be there 
for days looking around to be able to see everything, right? And I remember seeing yeah, your book yeah. because it was just everywhere. I, I was like, oh, it kept catching my eye. And I was like, when anything like that happens, I'm always like, I got to get it. I got to get it. And I, I was there it. like, you know, it's such a cool place to have those moments. And I remember thinking like, you know, I'm working on my own writing and I, and I took pictures of like the bestseller shelves and stuff. And I'm one of those people that really likes to visualize and do all this stuff. So I, I was like, one day my book will be there. One day my book will be there. And I'm like pep talking myself oh, yeah. through this story. Oh, yeah. And, then and you, it will you, be. Yeah. 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 For and sure. it's amazing who it is that helped you. Like you had that friend there that pushed it through for you. And who would have known, right? You didn't even have to ask. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was, there was this amazing Pacific Northwest writers shelf they do at Powell's and they have these mm-hmm. cute little decorations and they put all of the local writers um, featured on it. And yeah, the moment that I was able to go and see my book there next to all these writers I've known for years and, you know, mm-hmm. somebody at Powell's had, you know, written a little card about, I mean, yeah, okay. I'm never going this book is not going to be the most anticipated by Entertainment Weekly and, you know, those things that you might get with the expensive publicist, the big publisher and all those things. Yeah. But, I mean, if I could go back to, you know, the girl that was in her MFA program six, seven years ago, just wandering around in awe of just being able to, like, see people on shelves that she knew, let alone... Mm -hmm her own work. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you, you have to, I think that we, a trap I fall in because, um, you know, I'm, I'm ambitious and I want to do well. I don't favor the moment very well. I mm-hmm. mean, I would just hope that I can find a way and that everybody can find a way to just realize, look how far you've come. Look who's helped you. Look what your hard work and kindness and just genuine love of your community has created and just try Mm -hmm. to stay there as long as you can because it's hard to do and it's, it's easy to compare yourself and, um, you know, feel like an imposter, feel like a failure when you're not. And how do we have, so many years to be writers. Like, why? Mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. freak out right now on this book, on this tour, on this certain thing. I mean, let's just live for a minute. <laughs> Can we please? Exactly. Well, Tabitha, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I think this will be really helpful. So many writers are out there trying to hustle and get their work out there and being able to set up their own book tour. So thank you for coming today. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Eats of Eden is available for purchase now. Please make sure you leave a review on Amazon and Goodreads. You can find Tabitha online at www.tabithablankenbiller.com. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how to write and publish your book. We will see you then. 
Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.